Hello, hey. gentle viewer. I'm uh, Drew Goddard, uh, co-writer and director of Cabin in the Woods. And I'm Joss Whedon, uh, co-writer and producer of Cabin in the Woods. Joss is also our sommelier for tonight. Joss, what are we drinking here? Uh, we're having the Flowers Chardonnay. Um, Excellent choice. It's a lovely, mellow, very broad kind of Chardonnay. I know all you viewers are interested in that sort of thing, so let's, let's we talk encourage about the you, year. We encourage you at home to get a bottle and, and join us. We're going to get real. We're going to really check. It's like, it's like we're in a conversation pit from the seventies here. That's right. That's right. This isn't. This isn't like just two nerds sitting in a dark room who made this movie because they have no friends and girls won't date them. It's more like we're very elegant. Very cool. I think Super cool. What's going on here is is elegance and and awesomeness. Speaking of awesomeness, I do want to point out this is chocolate, superheated chocolate. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's how they got the blood. It's not blood. It's they couldn't get it to reflect. I know no one cares about these things, but I care about No, them. I care about superheated chocolate. I just they don't want to use it for blood. That. I wanted it to feel like you could feel the reflections in the blood, mm-hmm. and they couldn't get it to reflect, and so finally they warmed chocolate up, and uh, and it worked like gangbusters. But, but what, I mean, no, it's not, wasn't blood before. You weren't using real blood before the chocolate. Well, we tried a lot of things, Joss, Okay, this movie. Okay. I had a very specific look for how I wanted that to look. And yeah. we're, I'm not above uh, putting my own blood on the screen. No, that's true. That's true. Your heart, and there is a little Easter egg of your pancreas that <laughs> shows up at one point. Donnie, you have women's issues. We should probably talk about the movie. I suppose. Uh, well, I like the superheated chocolate, but I also like opening. Uh, that was in the movie. movie is my scene. point. No. Yes. That, no. No. Yeah. I was, it was good. Are we gonna fight? Are we gonna do this here in front of all the people? You know, I I just think we need to make some changes in our relationship. <laughs> that's all. Doesn't have to be now. Um, but uh, opening a movie with this scene, I think, is, is one of my favorite things that we accomplished. Without question. And this was something that you, you pitched early, early on. And it was, it, was, it was funny because the pitch was always, wouldn't it be great if we started this movie in the exact opposite way that these movies normally start? Wouldn't it be great if the audience actually walked in and thought they were in the wrong movie? Like, you and I were, loved that. And then at a certain point in making this movie, after we did our first cut, the, the studio sat us down and said, we're worried that the audience is going to think they walked into the wrong movie. And, and we actually said, that was our intent. Like that, It's hard to argue with the studio at that point because we said that, that is exactly what we were going for. Um, and that's, that's where <laughs> there were some fun discussions with our, with our studio at the time about that. Yes. This but is... it's, it's what always excited me about, about this approach to this movie is is not doing the same thing and yet honoring this doing all the same things doing right, every doing... single one of the same thing that we could do but wrapping it around uh, in our own movie exactly um, girl dancing in undies pretty much the same thing that's right that's right but but it's it's amazing how much having Bradley and Richard you know talking about fertility issues mm-hmm. buys you because it says yeah. you know this is not the same old movie well, now two... we can actually do the same old movie here and there's two parts to it. One is, what is this an episode of The Office? And the other is, what are they talking about? Right. Which also, I think, you know, was, was, was problematic for the studio. There's always, and this is the true for, for I think, any movie-making process and testing process, it's um, the difference between confusion and intrigue. Where they go, the audience doesn't know what that means. It's like, well, they're not going to get up and walk out because they don't know what it means. They're hopefully going to sit and find out, which they do actually pretty quickly in this film. Right. Yeah, we don't play coy. It was important. To, I mean, that's, again, Bradley and Richard, 
one of the things that I like is that a lot of people would, in talking about this movie, they said that's usually a reveal that would happen in the middle of the movie. Right. That's usually, if we were doing this in a traditional way, that would be, you know, your, your midpoint. And we just start with it. And it, it's something that, it's, it's a credit to you because that's always been your approach. Uh, even at Buffy, those days where we just, we would skip all the coy parts that you usually, mm-hmm. you do in storytelling and just get right into it. And it, it's something I uh, aspire to do with the rest of my career because it, it just works. Every now and then it could be a flaw. Every now and then I cut to the chase and realize, oh, it's act one and they're chasing each other already. <laughs> I have no rest of an act. <laughs> so sometimes you got you got to warm them up and let them experience the thing. But, but it is nice to, to lay some of it out. Did this guy ever do anything again? I can't remember. You know, it, it's sad. Some people have the magic and some don't. And yeah, I well, just, you know. we've never heard from him again. Hey, he tried. <laughs> he had great spirit. Yeah. Nice. That hold Be right down. He just transferred from state. Best hands on the team. He's a sweet guy. And he's good with his hands. This is actually for me tiny flaw that we and I thought later we should we should have got a picture that we never see her as a brunette. I know. It's true. I mean it's it's one of the the most difficult parts of this film is that we only have four minutes here yeah. to establish who they really were before the manipulation starts. And even in her case, the manipulation has already started. Yes. So you never actually, with Jules, you never actually get to see her before uh, she is, she, the, the puppeteers have been working on her. I wanted to put in a, some piece of set deck for an insert of, of a picture of the two of them with her dark hair, but by the time I thought of it, it was <laughs> probably last March. <laughs> we so. were, you were shooting Avengers? Yes. That wouldn't have made any sense. Yeah, I, I tried to get it in there, though. I did. <laughs> fucking better be. No, oh, Jules, it's a weekend, not an evacuation. Trust me when I say there's nothing. But even his his thing, where he he clearly is an intelligent, decent guy, a lot of people didn't get. A lot well, of people were like, "And he's, you know, he's an evil jock right away." You realize it's 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 a it was a tricky part, and it was a tricky part with testing this because this movie changes the second time you see it. Mm-hmm. It does. It, once you once you know where we're going, that stuff makes much much more sense. You understand why we're talking about textbooks and who she was before right. and even her dancing in her underwears. The first time you see it, you think, this is all, I don't need to pay attention here. Right. I don't, this is, we're just getting to meet these kids and we're moving on. And this so guy's the stoner. It's the, ba- exactly. So it's the, it's finding that balance was always a challenge. And at the end of the day, we just decided, you know what, we don't care. Was it, that you or Fran? I'm sorry, I have to know. The, uh, that, was, that was me. That is also my the, the car I drove um, all through high school is the 83 Maroon Volvo. Nice. And it, it's one of those things that you look for in directing. You just look for think ways to establish character that are not dialogue, mm-hmm. that can just tell you, because you have so little time, especially in this movie, to get to know these characters. And it was just, it was one of those things, you, uh, you know, when I, when I do the breakdowns of scenes and how I approach it, I'm always looking for little ways to established character and, and having a guy lock his door and not roll the window up it's just in those notes and then Anna yelling fuck yeah <laughs> that, that's, I w- look I wish I could take credit for that that's just, that's just Anna. Anna that's so Anna Anna just would scream fuck yeah about everything we would do and at one point I filmed it and we decided to leave it in she's an enthusiast god bless her we should take a moment um, but I don't know if this is it it probably is uh this cast, this ensemble, not only incredibly difficult to come by, but what a, what a, you know, what a dream team. 
Well, this is another you know area where I I was know, actually going to try and make a sports reference to like the <laughs> Yankees. I was like, I don't remember what year they were good. <laughs> I'm surprised what? that you knew the word Yankees. That's pretty. That's good. You should pat yourself on the back for that. Uh, <laughs> it's like the the second touring cast of Kiss Me, Kate. <laughs> They're that good. Oh, you think he's strength kidding, strength. gentle viewer. He is not. <laughs> no, that's one of, you know, it's one of the things I'm thankful that I had you on this as a producer, just because you would not allow us to compromise. Because what happens with casting is, at a certain point, the time starts running out. The clock is running yeah. out on you. And everyone's like, you just have to cast somebody. Yeah. And certainly for for me, at a certain point, you start thinking, okay, I guess we've just got to do, we've just got to live with this. This we'll, we'll go with our best choice, whoever that is. And I remember you specifically saying, no, we are never compromising this because that, it's the single most important decision you can make is, is your cast. And you were totally right. I mean, we, with Anna, literally, who plays Jules, uh, we were started shooting on a Monday and we flew her in from, uh, from New Zealand. We watched her on tape from New Zealand because that, that role in particular was so hard to cast, I think, because. Because you're asking people to play two parts. You're asking them to play, you know, who who they are and who their archetypes are. And that archetype in particular is a very easy one to just phone it in for most for a lot of the people we saw. You're also asking them to get nude, which There's if we were French and then nothing happened in this movie, they'd do in a heartbeat. But right. it's a horror movie where they're going to die, so it means something different, and which I hard, understand, which is valid. That's right. And when you hear just, hey, horror movie, get naked... You don't no. want to do that. I get no, that. We didn't want to do it. <laughs> that's right. It's, it's, it's like, very again, uncomfortable. Thank God for Anna. Who could care less? That's right. And so uh, I remember though. Well, you know, when we do those scenes, I'll I'll talk about that a little more. I was but, out of town, so you're gonna have oh to. Oh my God, uh, so nervous on set. But God bless her. Um, and God bless Chris, and and our whole cast. I mean, yeah. we really we really saw hundreds of people for for these five parts. Well, except for yeah. Fran, because you knew him. Uh, yeah, on no, Fran. He was but, the only uh, one that we were like, yeah, that's the guy. He still, his audition was spectacular. Off the charts. Um, just that that combination of I'm funny and clearly stoned, and oh, I'm the moral backbone of this, and the most intelligent person here. Um, it just even in that in our fake sides, which we did for all the uh, for the auditions, uh, he he rocked that. Do we talk about how we came to this location on the first day and it was covered in snow? Oh, yeah. Yeah, day one of, uh, of my first directing experience, this this yeah. nice summer movie yeah. uh, where kids are having fun, uh, clearly on their summer break. Uh, we show up to set and it's covered in snow. And that night before, it was this is this is an example of me as why I'm a bad producer. Uh, is It's covered in snow the night before and I call... Line producer and everyone. I'm like, I, seems, there seems to be a lot of white stuff, and it seems to still be coming down. They're like, no, 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 not where we're filming, 20 minutes away. And I, so I go, okay, the grown-ups told me, so it must be so. We had that moment, I remember, yeah. where because you know this was our first time in our mm -hmm. respective positions, where yeah. we, where we suddenly, while we're standing in the blizzard, realizing, oh wait, we're in charge. Yeah, <laughs> we're actually the people that are the people that make yeah. these decisions, and we did, but. It was definitely day one. Yes. There, there was a bit of a learning curve. Yeah. By the way, this this location is not a gas station. It's actually just somebody's house, and we just dressed we changed it. nothing. No, we well, we put the yeah. gas pump out front. Yeah, yeah, but I mean the house itself, including the Confederate flag in yeah. the window. Uh, that's that's actually there. Uh, Which you know, the you know the strong Confederate contingent in outside of Vancouver <laughs> is uh, 
I guess not really documented as much as you'd expect. Uh, uh, God bless Jesse Williams. He walked in. He's like, I'm not sure I'm welcome here. <laughs> <laughs> That's the feeling we want. Use That's it. Right. Use <laughs> it. Work with that. I will say, uh, how much fun Tim also. Tim does Tim, Yeah. He um, just, you know, one of those really like fun, game, grateful character actors. He's just the opposite of a lot of guys, and I've done this, a lot of guys who play crazy are crazy. Absolutely. His, his audition scene, I believe, was a, because we wrote fake sides for all these parts. I remember, I want to say it was him arguing with the vending machine yes. about his dollar bill yes. while talking about uh, big existential problems. Yes. And everyone else came in and was just crazy and over the top, and Tim just played it understated, and that's yeah. always what we're looking for. Yeah, you always want less. Well, because, you know, I always said, like, we let us handle the silly like we we don't need it to get more silly because clearly we've we've overstepped our bounds already. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you have any idea what we're doing here, you know that we've gone too far. That's right. So you we can you just to... relax. <laughs> Please pull us back. <laughs> uh, really good bird designing uh, the uh, the the fence was brutal. It was because again, it, it it's that same problem of. We know we're getting ridiculous, and mm -hmm. yet we need this to feel grounded. Yeah, you it has know, to feel like that's that what balance. it would look like if it was there, and it could be there. That's so that's so hard. And I remember this because I turned into, I don't want to say Joel Silver exactly, but a classic producer. This is when you had that crane shot going, and I was like, that's right, show the woods. I paid for these woods. <laughs> I got so excited. I was like, give me production values. Look at those woods. It was one of the great benefits of, of shooting in Vancouver where we shot just gorgeous woods. And you just, wherever you put the camera, it just, you felt the sort of isolation and oppression that we were going for. You know, you want to feel alone. And, that you know, that the skyline, you can't tell where the woods end and the sky mm -hmm. begins. You want to feel that. It's actually not that big a patch of woods. Because I wandered around there a lot. Yeah, it was it was and a state park, a, yeah. so it was just it was just a park, and yet you still felt it. We couldn't get that anywhere in Los Angeles no, for sure. No, but uh, it had that feeling of and endless freedom, and then you'd sort of walk a little bit further. It's like, oh, freedom ends, but freedom ends, and here's where tell. Twilight is shooting because they yes. were shooting. Yeah, our, yes. our freedom was hampered particularly by those those Randy Young teenagers. Every outdoor shot, if you if we panned just to the left, you would see Bella and Edward. <laughs> <laughs> they were right there shooting. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I've already uh, said too much. Yeah, you've not only destroyed the magic of this film, you've now destroyed the magic of all the Twilight films for, for young viewers. Well done. Something tells me Twilight's going to be okay. No, no, I think you've, you've hit them in the starting gate. I don't think that <laughs> franchise is ever getting off the ground. Somebody should apologize Thanks, to them. I'm sorry, Twilight. Day one, that was our first shot. Yes, this was because once we left the snow, we came in. And, and got that. This particular sequence, I'm I'm extremely happy about, yeah, and and absolutely. even more uh, since we shot it.
No way. Hold up. You've got to be fucking kidding me. That's just creepy. It was Pioneer Day. Uh, Peter Deming, the DP, I, I think this is as classically beautiful as anything I've seen in a long time. Just, just you it's can, so the, weird, the but wood, my just, favorite, you just feel it. I think, you know, one of my favorite shots in the movie is just that slow push in on the mirror. It's just, it's weird. Mm -hmm. The tones that he captured in the wood. And the way the the, refl the dirty reflections of the mirror mm -hmm. feels, you know, it's Peter at his best. It has that Mulholland drive feel, mm -hmm. which is so important to why we hired him. Well, it's very classical, yes. which, I mean, that was something I was very excited about when we talked about you directing. Because, you know, when we first started writing this, we were we didn't know who all was going to direct it. We didn't know for sure. That's certainly. not accurate at all. Here's what Here's how this went down. You said... Drew, uh, you're going to direct this, and I'm going to produce it. Then, in halfway through the writing, in the, when we were, and we should talk about that, uh, the, how we wrote this, uh, we were writing in hotel room. You were like, Drew, uh, yeah, you know what? I'm going to direct this. Oh, yeah. I don't remember that. <laughs> and I was like, that's excellent. Sad but happy at the same time because it's like, all right, well, if I'm not going to direct it, uh, at least you're going to. I knew it was a good sign. I knew that this means that we're onto something. I remember at least one conversation where we were trying to figure out who would direct it if neither of us could. I don't remember that at all. Who oh, did, yeah. Who did oh, we yeah. land on? Who did we think? Um, I think it was Victor Selva. Uh, oh. As sort of like who would be the candidate because of Jeepers Creepers, which it's Jeepers Creepers 2 that's not bad. I like Jeepers Creepers 1. No, they're, they're both okay. I think they're both good. 2, structurally, the, in the school bus, it's got that thing. That's true. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. I forgot and he's about flying that. and nobody hates that. The, uh, the first one's good, too. Yeah, it is. It Jeepers is. Creepers, very underrated. But you were like, I vote for me <laughs> over anybody else. And I was like, that's, that's fair. That's fair. I, I get that. <laughs> but I honestly don't remember saying I, that I was going to direct it. it, it look, I, I took it as a, this is, this is a good sign. This means this is working. I take Speaking. it as I'm kind of a douche nozzle, but uh, let's no, go with No, both. no, 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 not let's at all. Let's go with your theory. <laughs> I mean, if we want to get into why you're a douche nozzle, I'm happy to, but it's not because of this. I, you know, this movie's not long enough. <laughs> I don't think it's a problem. Maybe have in the, you done, the Have you done the Avengers commentary? Because I have some thoughts. Okay. You could help out there. Places, everyone. We are live. Now, this is the Harbinger scene, and obviously we're establishing a ton of stuff here, but what went... I can't remember the, the, uh, the birth of the Harbinger scene. I can. I thought so. It was the... Uh, it, this was the very first scene that we sort of... Because, you know, the birth of Cabin was, was very much your idea. You had sort of the basic concept, the upstairs-downstairs of it mm -hmm. in mind, and we, we had been just talking about ideas because we wanted to write something together and we wanted to write something fast right. if i'm remembering this correctly that was yeah yeah no, that was, that that was sort of the goal thing. so we were batting around what ideas could we write fast because you can't write 
an intricate murder mystery fast. Oh, you also yeah. can't write, you know, a premise movie. That's right. Like, uh, it's twice in my life I've a movie has occurred to me that had a third act. You know, that came with the package. It wasn't just like, oh, did this die hard in a... Well, then what do we do? It's No, this is, this is about... It's all leading towards only one thing, which is the, the, the chaos yeah, of, it, uh, of the ending. And one of the dirty secrets about Kevin is that it, go, it goes so crazy, and it, 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 it seems as though it goes off the rails. Yet the truth is, it's a very simple, straightforward structure. Like, Sid Field would love this movie for your you screenwriting know, students. Like, it has a very clear act break structure. I did not, uh, um, I remember sitting through the Hudsucker Proxy with some, and in the theater, and at one point, somebody, they, they're chasing Norville Barnes because they say that he's mad. Somebody brings out the butterfly net, and the woman in front of me went, Oh, really? Like that, like the rest of the movie was cinema verite. <laughs> right. was this so, is where you lost so me grounded. at net. Yeah, right. I'm like, so that's your breaking point, really. Um, but the thing about, uh, you know, the way this evolves is that it evolves. That like by the time it goes completely insane and off the rails, you understand why and you're there. I've had very few people do an oh really about, about where, the third act of this. Absolutely. I mean, it is very much like... If, if you're still with us by the time we get there, right. you're with us. Right. Like, you're either you're either love a merman or you don't. <laughs> but but yeah, so you had this sort of basic concept, and then we just started talking about what would be great, and I we landed on harbinger early, like yeah. when you need a harbinger scene, and I remember we were at a bar. We were actually at uh, no, we were at Melise. Let's give them a plug. Oh, yeah. A lot of our creativity the is best restaurant done at LA. this restaurant, and we we're sitting at the bar uh, talking about how how we would break the harbinger scene and somehow we just I, it was more a logistic thing than ever anything because we were like how would the harbinger communicate with the control room and then we were like oh i guess you just call in from a payphone it's one of these weird things mm -hmm. and yet once we that that just opened it up for us and we started riffing on how would this happen and the whole movie opened up from there yeah i feel like even watching it with an audience that that scene is where you understand the tone because mm -hmm. at that point, until that point, you're still not sure where we're going. But once you see this, everything that this movie is about is encapsulated in a harbinger being stuck on a speakerphone. It sort of has both worlds combined right there. Yeah. So we skipped over the whole scene where Fran ran into a bear. Oh, right. Yeah, while, they were, uh, while we were filming. They were like, there's bears here. It's no? actually on the DVD. I just watched oh, it. Oh, it is? Some of the, the, the bear encounter? It shows Excellent. Fran and bear. Excellent. You could also see so by Fran, the way, totally bare. He is totally bare. And by the way, you can see how Fran Kranz is uh, ripped like yeah. like the Lord Jesus himself. I know. He is, he is secretly a muscular Jesus. And, he is. Uh, and uh, I was like, Fran, we can't take your shirt off because that totally ruins this character. Like, no, Marty, also would, Marty would not be. Cry. <laughs> and no one wants to see Thor cry. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Except for Joss. And Loki. Tom Link. Let's talk about Tom Link. Uh, Tom Link, don't make a movie without Tom Link. In a way, you've failed. Days of Heaven, very good, totally linkless. Now, I always think he wasn't born. But, yeah, exactly. Tom, Tom chasing them around. Yeah. Ah, grasshoppers. Oh, Mr. Malik, call us. Yeah, we can help. Same applies to Miss Acker, of course. In both of those cases, with Tom and with Amy, you know, we we did. 
casting for both of those roles, looking for people, and then at a certain point where you're just like, are we stupid? Yeah. Why don't we just go with the people that we love? Yeah. Well, I, it, you know, it was it was tough. Wendy Lynn was tough because you got to hold your own with these lads, and you got to you know bring a lot of life to it without overshadowing it. And and it's I just remember you just saying, all right, just get me Amy. Amy makes it better. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's it's not even it's not even a discussion. Tom, you were just like, oh, and Tom's gonna be in it. Great. <laughs> well, one of the things that's great is that I may get in trouble for talking about this, but when you shoot in a place like Canada. When it comes to those roles, the smaller roles, mm-hmm. it's actually a union thing where you have to cast Canadian people. Mm-hmm. And if you're not going to, then you have to prove that there was no other person in Canada that could play this part, which I actually felt strongly that there wasn't. I felt like Tom Link. No, Tom Link is the very dictionary definition of nobody else could play this part. But I actually had to write briefs to the Canadian government mm-hmm. as to why Tom Link mm-hmm. is perfect for this movie and why no one else can fill this role. Which, when you read it in black and white, is kind of hilarious because at the end of the day, Tom Link has three lines in the, yes. in the whole movie. And yet, once yeah, you he, see it, you get it. You get it. Like, th- I, don't, I don't know anyone that will skip play that part. This makes me sad because this was yours and it was beautiful and it was truth or dare or lecture. And, uh, you know, tone and length and just not quite hitting, you know, some of the stuff. It just, we ended up sort of getting... It got squeezed out, and Truth or Dare or Lecture was such a great idea, which is, I mean, there's that callback, I'm living in a woman reefer, that uh, is, was part of the lecture that Jesse was forced to give Fran, um, who's never played the game before, and I, I, that texture I miss. That, that was, it was actually, that was an actual game that somehow evolved with me and my friends when we were in high school. Where why it, does that not shock me? It switched from Truth or Dare to just Truth or Dare or Lecture, and the idea was, if you wanted a lecture, you would get. A, you would say, "I'll take a lecture," and then your friends could just lecture you, and you couldn't say anything. You would have to just say thank you for your lecture, and I just liked that. But what we found about, uh, particularly the first act, is that you just wanted to get to that trapdoor yeah. opening. You, so every, the only scenes we cut, I think, in the entire movie, in terms of things we actually pulled out, were all in the first act. Yeah, like, I don't think we cut anything that was yeah. not in the first act because it was all about just getting, get, keeping the momentum, which I was all for. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I think the the rhythm of the thing is is very nice, um, and you know, th- people talk about this all the time. Girl makes out with wolf. Either they find it disturbingly sexy or just disturbing, or they were convinced that wolf was gonna was gonna eat her face. It's, it's definitely it, one of the most fun scenes to watch with an audience for the first time because mm-hmm. you, the, the tension just goes through the roof as she's yeah. approaching that wolf. And Anna, once again, committing. God bless Anna. I mean, Anna Hutchinson, I cannot say enough good things yeah. about her because we asked her to do some ridiculous things in this movie and never questioned it, just on board, yeah. mm-hmm. made it better, made it feel real. I mean, we <laughs> we probably shot... 15 takes of her making out with that wolf, like a lot. Well, true. Now, <laughs> did we need to shoot 15 takes for making out with the wolf, or is there something we need to know? If you're asking the director, yes. If you're asking just me, yeah, probably not. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? Well, I'm, just I'm sure it was for art. You're going to say dare, she's going to dare you to do something you don't like, and then you'll puss out and say that you wanted truth all along. This really? is when Kurt first starts acting like that guy he's so good at it the two of them sitting yeah. together well you know he's the thing is he's still it's, it sounds like he's he's being a schmuck but it sounds like he knows her right like she is that person 
And it's just, it's mean of him to call her on it like that. But it's not like, I don't know, I, you know how I feel about that sort of genera speak where it's just like, I'm just going to say something that shows that I play sports and I'm unlikable, as opposed to, well, let's also allude to the fact they do have a, a little history. also take a moment for Kristen who um, had this part the moment that I saw her take absolutely and yeah this was definitely the hardest role to cast yes I would say of all, all the roles yeah but once that tape came in and Kristen was in New York so she was on tape at first yeah but I just remember going oh, I can breathe again yeah and you I, don't you don't even realize you're not breathing but the stress level of because we knew if we don't cast this part this movie's not gonna work you know mm -hmm. and, and there, there's not a lot of people that can play this and Kristen just leapt off off the screen. Everything in this room pretty much had meaning. I mean, they did it. There's a masterful job of. of I mean, uh, to uh, you know, our junk collecting. Our production designer Martin Wist and 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 his team. I mean, I, I really put them through hell, and and so much of it. You know, the, it's so dark because I wanted it to be so dark, and yet it was so important to me that everything in there would match up with the third mm -hmm. act. Yes. You know, like it, it was crucial, and yet. People, you know, they would make the argument that, like, you know, no one's going to notice the first time around. They're not going to understand. So why are we spending this much money? Why are we spending this much time? And yet it was so important that you, you needed to feel like all these connections could be made. And to their credit, they got it. And yeah. we worked. I mean, we worked. Well, I remember they came to me and were like, this thing. that, the fortune teller, they're like, it would cost us this amount of money to import that fortune teller that Drew wants. And that was the first time I ever got to be like Kirk Douglas in The Bad and the Beautiful and say, shut your petty pinching mouth and get him his fortune teller. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> I remember that. I remember this. this it, was, it was a very, it, was, it wasn't even that much money. It's not a big thing. But for me, it was very liberating. It, it was, oh, God bless. I, I cannot get enough of Chris Hemsworth and the look on that conch. Because mm. he, he's taking it so seriously. Yes. God bless him. That, that would have brought more people, for sure. That is definitely something that I enjoy that never gets old is the realization of, oh, once you've seen this three times, you realize, right. oh, that's how close Hadley came to his dream. Wonderful piece of editing in the yes. sequence by our editor Lisa Lassick, yeah. who we've worked together with for years. Many and it's before just and since. Exceptional. I don't. Yeah, it, it comes. Definitely one really of the unsung heroes of Cabin. Absolutely, not just in the you know the final product, which I love so much, but the process of just knowing exactly what we're going for, which is tough because you get on a crew, and I, I had the same thing with Avengers, which where Lisa performed the same function of of understanding the movie that was being made which people disregard. People disregard, and in fairness, we are, our tone is very specific. Yes. It is not like other people's tones. And it, when people ask what's the hardest part of the job, it's without question the tone and getting, getting 200 people to understand the tone we're going for. Mm -hmm. And I, I get it because this tone, especially with this movie, it could easily, you know, five degrees to the left, we're, we're an exploitation film, five degrees to the right, we're a broad comedy. Like, right. it isn't clear, and you you sort of need people that get it, that get what we're going for here. Yeah. And when you find those people, you clutch them close to your bosom. Yes. Told me in my dream. I have, like, uh, 13 people on my bosom. 
Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Like a it's like, a, like an Eskimo, like an Inuit woman yeah. with all her children. Right. I've, it's weird. I'm often mistaken for one. <laughs> it's, the, it's the blubber smell. I'm oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I, I can't help it. I sweat tallow. Jesus. Can we not? I'm go on. Why? I want to know. I have found it. This was fun to shoot, I have to say. Fun to shoot. I loved writing that diary. Oh, my God. Yeah, let's talk about that. So, so one of the ways, I guess we haven't spoken about how we wrote this, but we, one of the ways this movie came to be is that you and I were talking, we used to write Buffy scripts very quickly, not by design, by, by no, necessity. By, by schedule. By but, it's about to air. You should write it. That's right. We, I mean, there was a couple episodes, like conversations with dead people we wrote over a weekend, I remember. Mm. And, and there's something that's uh, energizing about that. There's something that's invigorating about about you don't have a safety net. You have to do this. You know, I I I I, I genuinely believe in this, and I and I think that uh, people just, they assume if you take longer, it is better. And you know, I, I think there are, I think you get to a Steely Dan place where you can just produce something to death. Late Steely Dan, obviously. That's right. <laughs> Not the early <laughs> stuff, but um, you know, where it's, it's there is an energy from live performance. There's an energy from improv. There's an energy from writing something with a little bit of a desperation, an extreme amount of tiredness, and even though we didn't have a deadline when we did this, we did this for ourselves. We did it in a weekend but, because we wanted to. But but you're right because we were both on projects, feature jobs. Right. That actually, in both cases, never came to be where we had been working on for a year I think in each of, and we were both lamenting that fact and so part of this was born out of that frustration part of it was yeah. saying you know what it wouldn't be great if we just wrote something for us and so we gave ourselves this challenge of let's we want to write we want to lock ourselves in a hotel room and write an entire script and say we're not allowed to leave the hotel room until we have a script and that, that was what we did with Cabin that was that was the goal which is a little disingenuous because we did work it out. We did break the story. We yeah, we broke the story. We had the, the cast. Out. We had some pages. And, and we did polish afterwards. But. But. And we did this afterwards, figuring out exactly what's on the board, which. That was one of the funnest fun. parts because yeah, it was really, really just in the middle of shooting. And they were like, well, we, we start shooting this scene on Monday. You guys need to come up with the board. And we just sat down with a piece of paper and just cranked it that out. That was, yeah. It's like there, there's certain parts of this movie that we were just built for. Yeah. And people ask, did you do any research? No. Like, this is, like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, what I got goes a lot on of that. Did you research horror movies before you made one? It's like, what, what, what do you think I was assigned a horror movie? That's right. It's a wrestling picture. Wallace Beery. <laughs> this is no problem. Life. No. This is what yeah, we do. Yeah. I mean, I, yes, I, yes, I researched it for 40 years. And uh, that's right. It's, uh, we did our homework. We just did it early. But uh, I always have that little sense of apology about writing it so fast. And it's like, well, no, no, no. Actually, there's an energy to something. No, I mean. Like but, that, that that doesn't exist in something else. Believe me, I've worked on projects where I've, I've been the writer on record for two years. Uh, and it's not better. It, no. I, I've not done better work no. than, than the weekend we spent working on this movie. And, and, and one of the things that happens is to get back to the diary. What happened. So we, we got this hotel room and I was, it was a two floor hotel room and I was upstairs and you were downstairs and, and, and we would just write each day. And, uh, I remember I got to the diary and I just, we've worked together so long. I sort of know, <laughs> oh, this is a Joss scene. <laughs> Uh, this is not, but because I, I was doing the, the basement in general, right? That's just how it divvied up. But I, I got to the diary. I was like, "Hey, Josh, do you want to write the diary?" And it was almost like the, the sentence wasn't out of my mouth yet. <laughs> it was just like, "Yeah, I, I'm on it." And <laughs> I'm not kidding you. That diary, it took you—I I, want to say seven minutes. 
it was just you just cranked it out and just handed me the handwritten pages like again when you talk about what you're built to do yeah joss writing what 18th century uh uh torture tortured 12 year old girl yeah that's kind of what you are yeah let's be honest that's 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 me I've never. I mean, I, I, I'm always impressed, but that that one definitely humbled me. Oh, I saw how quickly you cranked just, that out. I just it makes perfect sense to me. That's the thing when you know that the logic, their logic of pain, has is grounded. It makes sense. It is it is their life. And actually, you know what? I, that that I got to give up to Chris Carter or whoever wrote the episode of X Files where they're dealing with Satanists and the guy says, this is how I was raised. And that just made my little head explode. I was like, oh, you know what? Nobody ever talks about the bad guys' belief systems in that way. Which is so important to this movie. Yeah, it's all about belief systems. It's all about belief systems. It's all about, I don't even view them as good guys and bad guys. Because at the end of the day, if you look at this movie, both sides are right. They they both have their belief systems and they're both correct within their belief systems. Mm -hmm. It, you know, it, it's weird, but it was it was it was incredibly important to me. I remember, for some reason, right before I watched this, right before we shot this, I watched The Breakfast Club again. And you know, as I as I am approaching middle age, I for the first time, <laughs> so for the first fun. time in my life, though, watching The Breakfast the Club, through. I was there's the scene where the principal and and the janitor are talking about about their lives and how these kids aren't gonna respect you when you get older and suddenly i'm empathizing for the first time in my life i'm not empathizing with the kids anymore i'm now empathizing with the adults and i remember thinking oh that's what we want here we want you to understand both sides so that it's very much a movie about youth and about adulthood you know you want both sides to be represented i've never uh made this connection at all but it does occur to me that uh because i know this from buffy uh but i didn't really hear um my mother was the head of the history department of my school and I knew all of the teachers and I knew all of the workings of the school from their point of view and how they dealt with us and, all of, and as well as I knew the kids. And this is basically the same thing. They're in the faculty lounge complaining about the kids. Absolutely. That's right. Yeah, and we talked about this too. Yeah, because my side of that is that I grew up in Los Alamos, New Mexico, where they make atomic weapons. That's the whole mm-hmm. town is that you have guys like Hadley and Citizen who just go to their job every day. And they're wonderful, decent people, and yet their job is to create ma- weapons of mass destruction. And you, you just you understand where you faculty or where you you know weapons mm-hmm. maker. These right. are all just people. Yeah, and they, they believe what they believe for a reason, and their reason is not ridiculous. I think that you got a lot of the look from that too, which I love so much. Yeah, I just 50s, pulled seventies kind of the the retro equipment and the outfits. I remember I went home uh, while while we were in prep for this, and I just did the. <laughs> the Los Alamos History Museum tour, which is hilarious in in itself, uh, that we even have a history museum, but it is just you know the guys who made the atomic bomb, and I just pulled all the reference and just handed them to our production designer and said, "Make this. This is what this is." Oh, you can tell me that. <laughs> now this is really, I think, shows off the beauty of Vancouver, like no other sequence. It really shows the majesty. Of of the Canadian woods, um, and I do want to take some credit for insisting that we build it inside. Yeah, again, this was where uh, God bless Canada, because this is all on stage, and yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing the amount of woods that you can get on stage in Canada. Not also, just in the woods. 
our 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 uh, our greensman, the guy who is in you know in, in movie terms, the guy who who gets all of these uh, mm-hmm. trees and puts them in. His name was Glenn Forrester, I know. which delighted you and me. Like we would talk about that, every, and no one ever looked at like, why is that a big deal? We're like, there's a greensman whose name is Glenn, Glenn Forrester. There's never been a better name for a green. Still, no one. We're so alone. Even Glenn. No, Come even on, Glenn people. was like, I don't know why this is a big deal. And we were like, that's the greatest name of all time for a greensman. No one. We're so alone. Yeah, we will always be alone. But I will say that this this scene um, encapsulates the film. Probably, if you were going to point at one thing that says, you know, what what our intent was in terms of what we wanted to say beyond um, how much fun we were having, it's seeing this scene um, and then seeing the uh, those middle aged guys watching it. And going from being intrigued and aroused to being both distanced and amused, and um, and sort of feeling the indictment, yes, that is that takes place not just for um, the audience but for humanity. I'm, uh, you know, I, I studied Hitchcock a lot in college. I love, love, love Hitchcock, and he was the master of making you complicit in what was going on. Um, but he knew about subtlety, which I never understood. So I thought we should just say it out loud. Well, this movie is not about subtle. No. I mean, every, every movie is different. But this is certainly, you know, our goal was not to be uh, sotto voce, as they say. No, no. I don't want people to interpret it later and go, oh, I hadn't thought I wanted to go, oh, that's what it is. Well, what's no, amazing is that interpret it later, but I do want I want our intent get, to be but this clear. Is the important that's the shot, shot right yeah. So yeah, this is the first, uh, obviously the first, you know, nude scene I had to direct, and oh my God, the Catholic in me, <laughs> I was not, I, I, I was easily the most uncomfortable person on set. God bless Anna and Chris because they were both like, yeah, whatever, let's just yeah. do this. It's, 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 and I'm, you know, I'm like, oh. How can we protect our, our yes. actress? How do we do all of this? And I was like, Drew, you should watch the series Underbelly that she shot in uh, Australia. She's like, just watch that before we do this so you understand. I've done things that are way filthier, <laughs> just so much filthier than what we're about to do. And it really it was helpful. It did put me at ease. I was like, I okay, we're, we're going to I didn't even right. know about that. I was out of town. I was doing this American yeah, life. You, yeah, conveniently disappeared. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> But it was great. I mean, they were they were just they're pros, you know. Yeah. You forget these these people are professionals, and they know they know this better than I. And I, you know, the trick was not to mix the two beyond the level that they should be mixed. The fact that her shirt never opens again as soon as she's in pain. Which remember which we did very specifically yeah, on yeah. purpose with our with our fancy glues. Also, we couldn't uh, figure out how to stick a bear trap in her back. Yeah. without a shirt on. That's a good point. But we would have changed it anyway, don't get me wrong. We would not have gotten rid of the, point, the violence, You don't want to mix the sexuality and the violence no. yeah. to that degree. It's, uh, it, made, it made me uncomfortable enough yes. as it is. You know, I, and I've never really been, you know, very comfortable with these, the, you know, oh, the, 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 the bad guys, the hero, the monsters are cool. Let's, let's all wait to see how inventively they can kill them. Having said that, I really want an action set of all of, all of the Buckners with their, their, um, with their weapons. With their weapons. And I, and I, uh, the bear trap is one of my favorite things ever. Cause you know, you can swing it. Uh, 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 
This we offer in humility and fear. For everything that we've said before, this is still the next level. It, it, the you, they'd say their little prayer. You can feel it with the audience when you watch this with an audience. Mm -hmm. This is definitely the signifier that oh, we have we have definitely taken this. At to this level. point, no matter no matter how much they say they sacrifice, punish downstairs gods, this is the moment where you go, oh, it's not a reality show. Right, that's right. And it's funny, it's another influence of Los Alamos. Not that we talked about a lot about this, but mm -hmm. one of the interesting things about Los Alamos is that it has the highest per capita IQ in the United States because it's all just rocket scientists. It's the only people that go there. But it also has the highest concentration of churches per capita, which is not, those are two stats that don't normally go together. It, it's a very strange, but you realize because they're making weapons of mass destruction, they need faith. Yeah, It goes together, and, and, and that was sort of, inherent in what we're talking about here you need you need the level you need religion with our science mm -hmm. and this is the sort of first time we see the religion come into play okay i swear to fucking god somebody is talking a lot of pot being smoked also let's we let's, got a little pretentious on the commentary i'm not gonna be honest talking okay, about okay so let's just get back to <laughs> pot saves lives <laughs> kids if you can get a weed card or if you know someone with a weed card, um, it's important to remember that it expands your mind. Here's the thing you don't, re you don't realize is that weed cards are sort of, they're only in California these days. The rest of the world doesn't know about weed cards yet. So. Oh, I'm so sorry. So if you can get somebody to purchase marijuana for you <laughs> legally uh, at, a, at a pharmacy, that's what I'm talking about. For those of you who don't understand weed card, I apologize. It's, uh, it's a, turns out it's a local thing. Um, but, um, you know, it, it, in a way, I, it, this for me is like the, my favorite moment in, in Super 8 which is such a love letter to the 80s movies, and the kids just go, drugs are so bad! It's like, it's so bald. <laughs> so, like, I just love just putting it out there. Like, let's just, let's just have it out there. Um, yeah, by the way, though, because I get this question all the time, and now I can answer this on the commentary. Uh, people ask all the time, uh, what's the difference between working with JJ and what's the difference between working with Joss? The difference between working with JJ is, and the difference between working with Joss is on one hand, you have drugs are so bad, and on the other hand, you have drugs save the world. Yes. Well, destroy it, but through through careful thought and, and empathy. We are abandoned. I don't even know. That, would you say that the drugs destroy the world? In no, this no, movie? I'm saying. I, I feel ultimately. like that's the whole reason that saves everything. Yeah. I'm not saying you do drugs. I'm just saying that's the difference. I've not. I've never personally. You've heard about um, what drugs are like. You know, I read about them in a in a beatnik book. <laughs> That was a bear. It was a, a you know, I made some mistakes as a director. I really wanted her to flip, and then you realize that the human body actually can't do what I wanted it to do. Well, you know the thing is, it, it's it's like everything else. You have to explain your intent completely. You can't leave anything to chance. Every, when you find somebody with whom you can leave something to chance, like we talked about our editor Lisa Lassick, um, you know, there are certain like actors where you know, okay, I can walk away. You're one of the people that I have that with. Where I can walk away, which I did, 
many times to go get drunk earlier than you and um, uh, and read about weed because I've I've heard about that. Um, you uh, you know you you need those people because it's so hard and and there was a just a big miscommunication about how she was supposed to flip and they had the wrong had the rig. Wrong rig and it didn't work. And, but but it, I think it came out. It's but fine. It, That's it one of the things adjustment. about but I remember, directing is like it seems so important at the time Yeah. how the body's going to flip and then you watch it and you're like, oh, this works fine. Well, we, we got a flip that was not unlike what we were looking for at the end. That's right. Not, I, I really wanted exactly, to but... go ass over tea kettle, as mm. I say. By the way, Oh, you Chris, made that phrase up? I always wondered. Yeah. I don't it's know if I made it it's up. Because, I've heard it. It's because you have a tea kettle. I have a tea so, kettle. I so like you, tea. Yeah. So that shot right there. So Chris Hemsworth. Oh, uh, yeah. For that shot in particular, I'm watching that through the viewfinder and right here as he's giving this speech. And I go, and the, the hair stood up on the back of my neck. And I was like, oh, my God, this guy is an action star. Oh, I remember exactly. I said, oh, my God, he's a movie star. And you said, yeah, it was nice knowing him. I know. <laughs> it, it, it was that feeling of like, oh. Holy. And we called the studio that night. We watched the dailies. From today, because Hemsworth is off the charts good. Yeah. Like, and that, so, and they they watched the dailies and immediately cast him in Red Dawn. <laughs> like, boom. <laughs> Which, and then a week after that, he got Thor. I mean, it was two days. really. It was a, yeah, two days. Got got Red Dawn on a Thursday, Thor on a Saturday. God, that's crazy. I was like, Friday must have been a hell for you, a dark, <laughs> scary hell. And he said, I say with some embarrassment <laughs> that I was. He's like, I know I should be grateful about the one thing, but I'm only thinking about the other. <laughs> Friday was a little tough. <laughs> But uh, no, I remember we, we we put the camera lower. Like we want him to be an action figure. We 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 want we want him to be you know a hero, and we want the ceiling behind him, which both gives him like body and and makes it more of a, a horror space. And then we were just like, oh, and of course I was like, well, it's Captain America. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I remember that because Chris had a friend that had tested for Thor, and he tested. Uh, and, no, but before oh, that, that it happened, and and we were like, why aren't you testing for Thor? You're clearly Thor, but then you were like, "No, no, he's more Captain America." So it became an argument, and then luckily it all worked out for everyone. I, I, I lost. No, he had actually tested, and he just said it hadn't gone well. Oh. And then he sort of went back in, I think. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm very happy to have lost that argument. <laughs> I remember when he says, uh, "Where's when they when." Uh, Dana says, where's Jules? And he says, she's gone. Uh, our script supervisor, Susan Lambie, who's the greatest super oh, she's script supervisor in the world, she burst into tears. And I'm, and I'm watching through the and I see my script supervisor crying. And when you see your script supervisor crying, you know you're onto something good here. Such a burnout. Yes. Um, no, we, I remember we all looked at that and went, oh, yeah, there it is. There's the depth. There's the relationship. Um, it matters now. And that was the thing that was so important. You know, when you watch movies like this, so often these kids don't care about each other. Yeah. They, it's just like they get killed and it's like, fuck it, run. Yeah. Let's go. And it was so important for all five of them to care about one another and have that feel the, feel the relationships that take place off the screen. And to their credit, all five of our kids got that. Yeah. And they, they worked really hard to sort of to make those relationships work. Well, one of the, you know, movie sets. This was my first time leaving California on any job since Waterworld. And uh, um, and that sort of insular, we're all together thing, you know, they can either, you know, drive each other nuts or they can really, you know, pull for each other. And these guys really got close. It was nice.
This is another element that people, to me, were like, it took them like two or three times to realize, oh, wait, the earthquake is because the gods are pissed. Because Marty didn't die. Yeah, yeah. Marty's not dead. People don't get that. The other part with that is when people don't understand why they had the glitch in the elevators, and it's because Marty's been messing with it. Mm -hmm. You know, people don't quite. But it's great, you know, you gotta, you gotta give them something. You know, we got to use the bong twice more after we introduced it. We got to use the window again after we introduced it. Like, having those things, just like, it, you know, and knowing you can come back to them, it's one of the great joys of writing for me. Is, it, is, it's taken me 15 years of screenwriting to realize that how much of screenwriting is just set up and pay off. Mm -hmm. You just need to set up and pay off. And, and we yeah. do it throughout. It's it's but, why you know, it's why the merman tests mm -hmm. so well. It was right. it was the top of everyone's sheet. And if you look at it, we talk about the merman for maybe five sentences total yeah. in this entire no. movie. It's so Very few, small. and yet it pops because it is so clear in terms of setup and payoff. Well, you know, I, I would say um, my shout out has to go to Cameron, uh, particularly I think of the Abyss um, in terms of. I'm going to set up everything, the spatial relations of everything. The crane is up here, we're down here, the cliff is here. And, you know, the way he just just twists it and uses it and twists it and uses it and, and just turns the screws. Um, that There's is nobody so, better. I mean, we've talked yeah, about this in terms yeah. of structure. And no. it's as simple as, oh, my God, I'm throwing my wedding ring in the toilet, and now my wedding ring is going to save the door from closing. Right. And, and this is a metaphor for this entire movie because this yes. entire movie is about divorce and, and marriage. And it's not a metaphor that you're going to stop and go, hmm, uh, the symbiology of the – you're going to go, oh, God, he's alive. Okay. And yet it's in every <sighs> frame. Yeah. It's in every no. frame. It's I die for you, you die for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, the abyss is good. I know. It's funny. Let's cut. talk about how great the abyss is. The extended Good. cut, better. Uh, I don't think that about aliens. Also, the best, and it's not on every DVD, but there's one DVD that has the extended documentary, which if you're, I watched extensively the first time before I started directing because it is the best uh, uh, sort of warts and all documentary of what yes. it is like to make a movie. Uh, it's James Cameron. You, you've talked about this all the time. Uh, after an 18-hour day upside down decompressing while he's editing dailies yeah. and you realize like oh this is what movie making is and no matter what i'm about to go through on cabin it's not going to be worse than what he went through on the <laughs> abyss so, so don't complain drew like you, yeah. you realize like okay this is if you've signed on for this job this job is hard and uh if, if you think it's as if you think it's hard on you uh, james cameron has made it hard on him much yeah. worse uh, that's uh, you know, and I I've I've fallen so short of that. I, <laughs> believe me, we're all studying at the uh, feet of the master. Oh, I just remember testing that and breaking the door. <laughs> They'll come out something that. like this. Boom! And the door broke. I was like, oh yeah. You you didn't know your own strength. Oh yeah. Is that you got that Hulk strength. <laughs> Thor. Just <laughs> Thor. Only Thor, not Hulk. Who's stronger, Hulk or Thor? That's Hulk is stronger. Hulk is the strongest one there is. Who would win in a fight? Thor has a big hammer. Okay, there you go. Um, you heard it here first. Um, uh, we haven't talked about Japanese horror movies and how much we love them and how much fun it was. Well, oh I, this I got to do, which was which was a gift from you. Uh, that, a a uh, reluctant gift. Because yes. We no, I knew it was, it was only a schedule thing that you would ever allow me to to take That's the mantle so good. This. I remember rehearsing with these girls though. They're, yeah. They're so nice. It's just they so lovely. This is this is what makes 
life good. And again, first thing that the studio wanted to cut, not yes. Lionsgate, by the way. Yeah. Um, we shouldn't besmirch Lionsgate. No. But it, it falls in that same category that you're talking about of confusing versus... Right. Well, we did so much to shore it up. You, the, the other scenarios that we did, you know, after the fact and having to dig for all the, like, footage we could use because we couldn't afford to get new footage. Um, and yet it does boil down to either you get it or you don't. Yeah. But what we kept saying is, yeah. is look, if you don't get it, it doesn't ruin the movie. No. If you don't, if you're not familiar with J-horror, if you don't know right. sort of what we're referencing, it's not a big deal. This is not... A, a crucial plot point. It is just something that is there for texture and is important. Having to said that, know. very gratifying to me when we first cut there that uh, so many people responded with, oh, oh, now, because it's another, oh, now we get it. Without question. And that's why we fought a, so hard. There's another for this. film with another film structure, with another mythology that is not ours, that is not American, that's over here. But it's one of those things that it's hard to intellectualize when you're trying to defend, you know, mm -hmm. and that's why, that's, you know, at a certain point you just need to go, look, there was even talk at one point of cutting the tunnel sequence. Oh, yeah. Uh, and again, this is the film in a nutshell. You right. are rooting for both of them. That's you right. You are absolutely desperate that they get through that tunnel, and you're desperate that Citizen gets that, you know, gets his job done. And this is where, you know, I, this was the first night of shooting with, with Richard Jenkins, and I remember it was 5 a.m. as we're shooting, and it, it was uh, because we the, the, we loved the location so much that we were shooting in, but you, th they that was actually a night. working uh, uh, office building, and so we could only shoot at night. So we're shooting at 5 a.m. And Richard, you know, uh, I'm not speaking out of school. Richard's the oldest member of our cast here. Mm. And at 5 a.m., Richard's doing push-ups so that he looks even more winded. <laughs> and I remember thinking this is why he is yeah. a phenomenal actor. Like right. he, he just got it, never complained, always about the, about the job and about the craft. You know, he is love and Bradley, the, the enormity of his love. Like, as I would see, you know, this movie didn't come out for three years. And I would see him at a convention because he was doing let, let, let Me In. Or I would see him somewhere and he was just like, how's it going? What are they, what's going on? He, was, he just, I mean, you know, that, that love of... He would show up on days where he wasn't working. I remember yeah. when we were shooting the elevator uh, shot that where, where the mass slaughter and just stand by monitor and watch because he was so delighted by it all. Like he just, he got it. And, yeah. and especially it's what we were talking about earlier, you know, with a movie like this, you need people that get it. Yeah. And Richard was one of them. Like Richard yeah. got it right away and was on board from the jump. And it, it, yeah. it, it infected the entire crew. Like once, you know, a person who like Richard, who yeah. had the prestige that he brings is saying like, no, no, this is good. Oh, another of my brilliant producer moments was, I don't think we should go after Richard Jenkins. He's about to be nominated for an Oscar. We don't have a shot. <laughs> he was nominated. He was already nominated for The Visitor. Yeah. And, we, yeah. and, and that uh, was where it was like... But he, he, took, he took this like the day after. We sent it to him on a Friday night. Yeah. Uh, Monday morning, he calls and says, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. Without a question. Yeah. And he credits his agent, because I talked to him. I had a lovely conversation with him while he had a, a spade sticking out of his uh, chest. And uh, he said, you, you got, I, don't, I don't get the call on this one. This is my agent. He's like, she sent me this and said, you have to read this, which is, Thank which is you. sweet. Thank you, Rhonda, who's his agent. She's wonderful. And, and, uh, 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 and Bradley, I mean, also just the, the energy and, and just the love and the ease and also the award for most improv left in the movie. Most, uh, let's just actually lose a little bit after we said. It's, I mean, if it was up to me, we would still be shooting Bradley yes. because it's so much fun. He's just, he's just, he's everything you would hope Bradley Whitford would be like, you know? He just is, he's that guy, and there's nobody more fun to have on set. And so much of his genius is on the screen yeah. in terms of 
what he brought to the film. This was my one sort of weird disappointment with my, my first time watching this with an audience was that they were cracking up during this because they knew, and I thought they would have forgotten. But what's funny is that you watched, you're talking about the South by Southwest yeah. audience. They were, but if you watch it with different audiences, they don't, they have uh, no idea. The South by Southwest audience was definitely more savvy. Now. But they, um, it's so lovely if you don't know. If you don't because know. Because he's so good and it's- he's uh, so and, good. and you think, you know what? Maybe he'll, you know. I still watch it. Look, I've seen this a thousand times, and I still am hoping that he's going to be right. <laughs> I, he just sells it. God bless Chris. Yeah. This was important, the sort of multi-times we cut back to him hitting his head on the rungs. <laughs> I remember uh, going over that ad nauseum with yes, the visual like, effects yes, department. Yes, we do need the third. Yes. Revisit. It is important, and I can't tell you why. And yes, it's going to be expensive, but do it anyway. Dana. Boy, I could look at her for a long while. It really, I mean, her importance, it's, it's hard because she sort of has the the thankless Luke Skywalker Frodo part. Right. Where you're carrying the movie and yet you don't get to do the fun stuff. Right, and yet, not the character. It, this movie does not work without Kristen's performance. Mm -hmm. You're going back. I'm going through. And we'll just drive. And there's got to be another road, another way out of here. That won't work. Something will happen, it'll collapse. I think this was the scene where, you know, when, you know, the inevitable happens, I was like, oh, my God, I'd forgotten. <laughs> Even I hate me now. <laughs> Even I think that I'm callous. Please do not go nuts on me, okay, Dana? You're all I've got. It is sort of brutal how he's just dispatched so quickly. Yeah. I'm okay. Good, okay, because I need you calm. Just whatever you do, don't say the word calm. Oh, oh come boy, on. calm. What? You knew better. Never watched Buffy, did you? <laughs> now, do we see the thing going into his head? Yeah. Okay, I think it's well, very, I, very you quick. Well, you don't see it. It's not fetishized in a close-up, but you definitely yeah. hear it going into his head as it's going Yeah, because we did shoot it in close-up, and it, I nothing think it got I've little... ever shot has made me more uncomfortable. Yeah, and I think that's why we pulled back, because yeah. it felt a little gratuitous. Yeah. Now, here's, you know, one of the things about directing is you just... Here's your abyss moment. You never have as much time as you want, and yeah. you have to learn what's important. The last two days, the last four days of shooting were the last scene between Dana and Fran on the steps at the very end of the movie, and this. Yeah. We had a much more involved underwater sequence, and it was just, you just realized, I, I you know, I fought at the end of the day to have more time with Fran and Dana yeah. on the steps, and yeah. this, you know, this, this works out great. I mean, this, this is as long as it wants to be. Yeah, you know, it's gorgeous. Damn, that was close. Um, it still bothers me that that bottle's not wet. I know. I'll never get over that. Somebody was like, oh, it's going to make a sound if water's on it. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. It's going to be bad for sound. And every now and then, you've got, that's got to be the priority. But in this case, it makes me crazy to see it come out of water and then whip at somebody. And, no and then it's not wet. It. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm sure it's because Whitford couldn't catch a wet bottle. Let's, yeah, blame, no, no, let's blame let's, Bradley. You know what? Why even? Why did we even work with him? This is another of his moments, though. <laughs> to kill is my lady. Oh, it doesn't yeah. even quite make sense, and that's why it's so great. Like it's just like Bradley just. This was, I believe that was take eight. Yeah. And it was like just say whatever, Bradley, whatever you want. And yeah, he, just, he said to kill is my lady. Well, he always gives you what you gave him. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And then you're like, no, nah, you can you now nah, play. It's not we like call he's it Bradley like, time. I, I need to put the Bradley stamp upon it. He's not that guy. <laughs> he's just like. 
I can do something else. That's right. And he just we're going he does his thing. And tequila is my lady was one of those like oh my God. I don't even understand what that means, <laughs> and it's wonderful. It's the it's the moment of interruption. It's how heartfelt he is. I know. Frame. Let's take some time to really feel her grief and really let the audience breathe and not, you know, just sort of, oh no, okay. Oh, bear trap. Bear trap. Now, Headcock. The Headcock, very important. Very important um, to, to you Halloween fans but out there. How important is REO Speedwagon to you? Because I mean, this is yours. It's so crucial. And this is another. The studio wanted to cut this sequence. And at a certain point, this is what happens just in movie making. You, you lose focus. You don't quite understand. You're like, maybe everyone else is right. Maybe this does need to be cut. I don't know. I should also say uh, a studio that was on the verge of bankruptcy that bought the movie, made the movie without changing a single word. That's right. Completely on board. It is that post-process coupled with uh, in, you know, impending bankruptcy that I think caused more without, trouble than we would normally have had. Without question, without question. And, and because, uh, part of this is just the process. Yeah. You start second-guessing things. That's yeah. what happens in movie making. And, and I remember at a certain point they were like, it's got to be cut. And, and I remember we were sitting in the editing room and, uh, and I, I, for various reasons, just I really felt very personal about the sequence. I just felt like, to me, this is the movie. Like, well, a lot this of people is, have called this one out as the most important or the me, funniest or the least funny. Yeah, it, to, which me, I love. It, to me, it's just crucial to the film because this sets up the third act. This, yeah. All of these people get what's coming to them, and yet you also understand where they're coming mm-hmm. from. Like, it, it just felt you, like yeah. this is the movie. And so I didn't want to cut it. I didn't, I fought. It's and, not like. Oh, we're afraid of aliens, so let's touch the scary one that looks like a male member that came out of the slime because that's what you do when you're afraid of them. It's not that kind of behavior. No, it's, it's just, just relief. It's we just relief, the world. And yet you understand at the end why we go to the slaughter. It makes the slaughter okay mm-hmm. because these people are, and it, it's just it, the whole movie is here to me. Yeah. Uh, and, no, and so I, I didn't want to lose this whole sequence. And I remember when it, at a certain point, because but at a certain point you do get battered you just get battered in movie making it just happens yes. uh, on various times and so we're sitting there and I, I we had been sort of under the gun and, and i remember you said to me as we're sitting there like i think we've lost this battle this is one of the battles that we've lost and i said okay and i i just couldn't help it i i'm not proud to say this but i couldn't help it. i i started crying i just i didn't want to lose this and i remember you just staring at me and then you just turn and you pick up the phone and you say get get the studio head and without saying anything, you wait, and then the studio head, and and you go, yeah, we're not cutting it, and you just hang up. That's all. It's that's what it was. It was like, and I, I remember like, oh, thank God. Like it was, it was the sort of thing where it's like, okay, this is how you have to do it. You have to fight these battles, and sometimes you don't quite know, but yet well, when, when it's know, important, you know. I remember a, a couple of times where you were like, this battle's coming, so yeah. we got to get ready. You know, and or whatever it is, and and, uh, and not just on this movie, and and uh, you know, it, the good thing about having a team is that one of you gets to be weak, and then the other one gets to be strong. That's right. It's a lot. It's, it's a lot crucial. like a marriage. Yeah, and especially when you're doing stuff that's so weird. My my, like, it's just you know, so weird that you yeah. can, you can have self doubt creep in. You yeah. just can when it's like when we're getting bizarre. My problem as a, as a producer has always been that because I I started low budget television. And this has always sort of been my attitude in life. I work with what I have. Right. And you were, like, very instructive to me about, ah, this is what I have. I need more. And I was like, oh, are you allowed? You're allowed to ask for that? (laughs) 
Is that really? Are I they... don't know if you are. This is naivete of the no, first time director exactly. comes into play where you just, um, you just, you just. A lot of the reasons Buffy worked as a show was from naivete, was from we, we'll do too much yeah. because we, nobody has explained to us that we're not supposed to. I read a great interview right before I started shooting this. It was just one of those moments of karma where, or kismet, I suppose, where uh, Danny Boyle was talking about a shallow grave and he just said you're never going to have a time like your first time you're never going to have your first movie again because your naivete will lead you to do things that you never will do again and I, I absolutely watching Cabin I, I feel that with every frame there's so much that I was like well I, I wouldn't do that because that would be too hard there's so much of this movie that's just too hard. Yeah. Just having all the playback in the control rooms, uh, for instance. I didn't know better, and yet it's better because I didn't know better. It's mm, better because yes. we did it anyway. I and we didn't green yeah. screen everything. Why did we think that was possible? The, I, the, I, conversations the, the we truth had. Is we didn't have a choice yeah. budgetarily. We but didn't, then, we yeah, couldn't afford and it. we hit every snag that you could. And yet it, it works. You know, it, yeah. That's it, the thing it, you yeah. learn. You figure out a way. Yeah. You, know, it, you figure out how to make it work. Well, the thing is, you know, it can be done, and and you and you, everybody's going to tell you that it can't, and you sur- you end up surrounding yourself with people who just don't have that mindset. Right. And you know, there's on every project, there's somebody whose go-to is no. Right. And then maybe they can work themselves towards it, but there's that thing that and and, uh, you know, you have to have the uh, you know the, the the confidence and and the energy of a lunatic. <laughs> Which we have in spades. Yes. <laughs> Get ready, America, because we're still alive. <laughs> we totally have this other idea. Well, that part's not true. I just have the one. For you screenwriting students out there, the second that door closes is begin act three, and it, it's such a clean act. Like, this is where yeah. I've never seen something lay out so perfectly in a structure as this movie. Like, it really is simple, and yet it, it, it works. You, you learn a nice structure really saves you uh, later when you're trying to make decisions. If you have, if your structure is clean, it makes life so much easier. You know, I mean, we never did anything. No, we never by chance. That. And and the thing is, there's so many things in this movie that you could go, whoa, that's a four o'clock in the morning random decision, and you wouldn't be wrong uh, because we had the structure to allow for those. That's right. And and you know, uh, that's for me. And you know, we sound very self-congratulatory on this uh, uh, commentary, by the way. No, believe I, me. You know, well, I mean, we sound really welcome to us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, that's a good practical werewolf, by the way. God bless the werewolf. Yes, I mean, you know, because again, part so much of this movie is just it just let's do the things we've always wanted to do mm-hmm. and see if they'll let us get away with it. Yeah. Well, I've always wanted to direct the werewolf. Yeah. I've always wanted to be like this is. Werewolf more snapping with the jowls, yes. like you, and and yet, yes. and this is my job. Yes, I and, know, I know. It's, uh, it is that that great geek moment of, wait, I actually do this, and and I get paid. That's just fine. Obviously, for me, this is this, this is, is everything I love. By the way, ballerina with a ballerina dentata is pure Joss Whedon, ladies and gentlemen. This is a ballerina that wants to eat. Like Luke and Han at the beginning of uh, oh, this, oh, you mean the Sarlacc pit? Yes, it's the Sarlacc yeah. pit face, um, or the, the Sugar Plum Fairy. The Sugar Plum Fairy. Um, God, she's great. She was lovely, and also, and again, this is practical. practical. Ma- yeah, practical makeup, beautiful practical makeup. And we've talked a lot about this, but it is the rule on Cabin was if you can do it practically, we're doing it practically. Part of that was naivete, part of that was aesthetic, but 
it it just you can't beat a practical effect. You can't. You know, and and the great thing is technology is to the point where you can mix them when you need to, so that you still have some of that veracity. And and uh, yeah, we wanted. You know, if I had it to do over again, I probably would have used more digital effects because like, I now yeah. trust. But this, I now yeah, trust, I trust digital effects more than I did when I started this movie. Well, honestly, they're a lot better than when you started this movie. That's true. You started this movie four years ago. <laughs> four years. Um, you know, uh, I would say the uh, the little ball is probably the closest thing that we got to an actual shout out. Yes. But this guy and Pinhead yeah. are you know, clearly as... going to the same 4th of July barbecue. And, no, and we tried really hard not to do too yeah. many shouts out. Like, it felt like then it just becomes a movie about greatest hits. And yet, in ter- to me, Pinhead is the equivalent of Werewolf because it is so, yeah. it's so iconic. It's become, it, well, you know. And it, it, it deserves to be on the same level of just the simplicity of Vampire. Vampire, werewolf, pinhead. Yeah. Well, the Huron is in here, and you know how, how yeah. I feel about that. The the Native American who might slaughter you, which is was our sort of the beginning of our horror mythos in in our, in in our culture. So to go from there, it's like pinhead has become part of that. Absolutely. He's become part of that discussion. He's not just like popular, and and it was so important not for it not to be Monster Island, for it not to be. You know, I mean, if you took a bunch of iconic characters who'd already been in a movie and then just made a movie with all of them together, you'd be a disgusting hack. Oh, God. <laughs> we're we're going to cut that later, right? We're going to we'll take that out. Oh. Yeah, we can do the magic of technology. We'll Commentary's going really bad. Favorite shot. I'll totally leave that. Favorite shot in the movie. I love this shot so much. It breaks my heart. And it's seen transitions. We lo- Transitions are so important. It's... I remember in Buffy, they were so important. And I, I feel like that is a, an art that has fallen by the wayside these days. People don't like transitions in movies. And well, you know. I, I love them. People, you know, one of the things about making a movie is that the studio, and I'm not talking about the studio we're working for here. I'm talking about studios in general. Um, uh, they expect you to go in with the movie unmade, to come out with the right. movie unmade. They expect the movie to happen in the editing room, to go, oh, this we found out that this is the thing we like. And right, let's do, we'll do some pickups later. Yeah, we'll, and that's we'll, part of the process, no doubt. There's never been anything where, you know, we just went, boom, here it is, you're welcome. Right. But um, at the same time, you know, even to do a one-er. Yeah, that's where, right. You know, the, it's, it, it, it makes it people It goes nervous. against what they want. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and the transitions in this are very, very specific, and they have to be. They have, uh, they have to be because our worlds are so different. Mm-hmm. You need to feel the transition element. Otherwise, you're like, why are we going from place to place? You... This also visually, this made me giddy on the day. I know. This I spent was a like... lot of the time either being cranky or being at really good restaurants. Um, <laughs> but um, Vancouver has great restaurants. But, uh, um, but I saw this, and I was just like, oh, and now we're in a Stanley Kubrick film. Good for us. Yeah. I mean, it definitely had that feeling of, okay, we are now in a new world. This is not the world that we have seen to date. I can't remember. Was this before or after we did uh, The Lads? It was before, right? Before we did? Before we did uh, um, Bradley and Richard. Uh, oh, great question. It was. I it must have been I think we finished yeah, we The Kids first. The kids yeah. But it was right before. Yeah, so it was like right after. Like, here by this yeah. point. But, I, we, but we, we went straight from them. like everything is brown and everything yeah, is, is right. murky and, and beautiful sort of old school to, to this world and it's just so shocking. What? 
you would totally have this system purge technology if you had a bunch of monsters. What are you, what are you talking about? It's, you might it's, need to purge the system. Yeah. What if? What are, what are you going to do if you need to purge the system? And she had to push? flip a lot of dials. So there's clearly, it's not just. Had like, she not put, flipped all those dials, clearly it wouldn't be that easy. Yeah. But so there's I, clearly I, I think that well. that there's. Everyone, calm down. Yeah. We've talked about this before, but this is definitely my favorite directing note um, in terms of visual effects as we're watching this shot here. It's about to happen. Here we go. So you have to watch this shot with a visual effects review. And as you'll notice, there is an angry, angry molesting tree in this shot. But the first drafts of this where they, you know, the, the visual effects department whips something up and they show it to you. I, I, it was it was it was a little too graphic for my mm -hmm. tastes. And I got to stand up and say in a meeting. No, 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 this is not an angry raping tree. This is an angry molesting tree. And God bless them, they were like, got it, sir. Angry molesting tree, we're on it. And they made the tree less rapey, that's which good. is, a, you know, as directing notes go, that's a good directing note. The timing on that bag of guts, which, by the way, I have no idea was coming. It was, you know, you, I was not in on that. I was busy in the next hall shooting the second unit footage for the, uh, for the video I, I remember monitors. yelling for you, Joss, come, you need to see this. Because, that, again, this is the fun about movie making. That was never planned. No. It was just like I'm standing there saying, so hey, what if, we, what if we had a bag of guts drop? Hey, could somebody please get me a bag of guts? And then they mm. do it. That's the nice part about being a director is you say ridiculous things like that, and then people actually do it for you. Um, and it just worked. It, it's yeah. it, and what's great is how low budget it is. It's just a guy standing slightly off screen with a trash can dumping guts on the ground yeah. when I point at him. Well, people think about these guys and, you know, they were just people in masks. But, yeah, it, it, but it whatever works. registers. Um, you realize, because we, we did a lot of creature design, and what you realize is sometimes the simpler is better. Sometimes that guy with a bag on his head mm -hmm. is the scariest thing mm -hmm. yeah. that you can come up with. But, I you know, it, it's, it, was a, it was nice to have a mix. That shot. We talked about the Brady Bunch so often so because often. you saw one screen and then you could see three, and it was a while before you could see nine. That's right. So and we, and we were like, "When does Ann B. Davis right. as exactly. Alice show no, up it here?" It was always, "Who's what's going to be the Alice? What's going to be the Alice? What's going to be the then Alice?" And it's all about Peter and Jan. <laughs> that was uh, one of the movement coordinators, uh, Terry Notary. Terry as, Notary as clown, as clown, uh, phenomenal. Terry Notary played actually just showed up like that. Didn't, I mean, that's this. <laughs> that's just how he looks. Yeah. We put we, we we he was a little shiny, so we put some powder on him. Dragon bat. Our, the dragon bat was another thing that. Was I just, don't remember me saying, "Oh well, we, we probably won't be able to do this." And you're like, "Well, let's not give it up while we're writing." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really come out with like a big a big wuss in this uh, commentary. No, no. Let's it, talk about how I fought. It was very some, practical because again, Vikings. if I knew better, I would say dragon bat's going to be too hard. It's going to be too expensive. But I didn't know any better. You know, I have so, to say it's one of the best CG creatures. I awesome. really think it's beautifully I, done. I mean, just his movement. And I also love how the entrails hit the wall there. Yeah, God yeah, which us. they added, right? They added. They did. They threw some entrails. They were like, that was. They were like, we we added a, a nice present for you, Drew. And I'm like, this is why I love you, people. Mm -hmm. That's when you know everyone's on board. They're all playing in the same orchestra. They're all playing in the same orchestra, which is hard at first, but once you once it hits, oh God, bless the clown. Clown always gets a good cheer. Yeah. People have a thing. Now, of course, this is where, you know, life is worth living. And nobody believed that was a fake head. A fake head, but it's it's on the DVD extras. You can see it, people. Yeah. It, uh, it's I mean, the human. Fake head. He had a, he had a, it was fake. Patients walking out of this. Uh, yes, we were another great this. image. 
uh, I remember sitting there and my script supervisor looking at me saying, I've never seen you so happy. <laughs> <laughs> it was true. It's just like, yeah. I think I was just angry because all of our shoes squeaked for about six months. Oh, my God. After we had to burn everything. Yeah. The blood was in every bit of our clothes. Uh, Bradley's talking to me. He's like, when he's firing the machine gun, he's like, Drew just gave me a note about firing the machine gun, which was, what if instead of the best day of your life, this was the worst day of your life? Because he had so much fun. I mean, it was obvious that you know Bradley Whitford is not a person that gets to fire machine guns a lot in the types of parts that he gets cast, and so he was so excited. It was just like, ah! Say hello to my li- I No, mean, wrong? That's right. He really... So I, by the way, maybe Bradley's right. Maybe that's what we should put in there. I don't know. That's the thing. Oh, this was fun. This was fun to shoot. At the end of the day, yeah, it's a merman. God bless Bradley. Yeah, his attitude is exactly what you need. I always feel. Oh, oh and that's that's you too, right? This is this is the spout. I don't. No, I can't take credit. I, I, believe me, I wish I could take credit for blood shooting out of the merman. But that's Dave Anderson, our creature designer, who said, "What if the merman had a blow?" I take credit for saying, "Great idea." You also should take credit for making them run it till all the blood ran out, so that it was just a spray because it was gushing. Well, one thing we knew wasn't as good. We only had one shot. I right. only had one take because once the blood blew out of the blowhole the set was ruined like we've coated the set in blood we right. cannot use the set anymore uh, because blood you cannot clean up that easily and we were going hardcore so we just i said all right then fine shoot every bit of blood that we have in the tank and we yeah. so there's probably a shot we have it's probably nine minutes of merman yeah. shooting blood out of a blowhole <laughs> and and weirdly it's the very last 10 seconds that we used as the spray started to particleize well, that's the thing. really that's, that's when it weird. works that's when it works and and i think somebody else would have just gone for the big gush but it's like no this feels more like a blowhole i wish i could uh take credit for that on artistic grounds but to be uh, honest it just seemed funny to me to let that we're honestly, that we're getting paid to yes. shoot blood out of a blowhole uh, it uh th- these are days where you go i can't believe this is my job this was the day that i got to have that nice talk with richard who held his hand over our you know little rigs for for the entire time i was like don't hold your hand over it we paid for it it, look, it looks like you're holding it there i really love that just shot that just shot that lonely lonely death of citizen yeah saving this for last was both you know smart and painful no, it was the right call, without was, question. Because you almost believe that these two are so exhausted. Yeah, <laughs> which they were. I mean, Kristen in particular, I just put through hell on this movie. I mean, she by this point, the, I, the one the one time I kept questioning your judgment was the amount of blood, the amount of blood in the lobby, the amount of blood on her face, and I see it now, and I'm like, oh, I've never seen a more beautiful face. I know, it but it, looks it's, so, it, it's blood so right. Is so, but you're right to question it because it's so hard. It's it, it, A, from a production point of view, B, from an aesthetic point of view. Blood is difficult, and yet I just felt like we have to see the consequences of these actions. Like, right. we have to see what happens to these people. Otherwise, well, it, it becomes farce. This uh, and, movie and, is about consequences. Yeah, and so you want to see the reality of it. and and. Uh, but boy, that last day, we'll see the shot here in a second when the werewolf's attacking Kristen. Yeah. And it's just all of it. Like, she's not acting by that point. I no, mean, she is. That's I've how really, fast she could move. And I've put her through hell by that point. She is just on her. What's in, to her credit, never complained once. 
let's we want to write we want to lock ourselves in a hotel room and write an entire script and say we're not allowed to leave the hotel room until we have a script and that that was what we did with Gavin that was that was the goal which is a little disingenuous because we did work it out. We did break the story. We yeah, we broke the story. We had the, the cast. Out. We had some pages. And, and we did polish afterwards. But. But. And we did this afterwards, figuring out exactly what's on the board, which. That was one of the funnest fun. parts. Because yeah. it would mm. never, I mean, I never, never said she wouldn't do anything. But at a certain point, I'm just like, I, I, I feel cruel now. I feel like. Well, you are. Cruel. I feel like I've become. That's right. I, I feel like I've become what this movie is about. Mm-hmm. By the well, way, a puppet we were, master. We were, by virtue of thinking people. of it. Yeah. We were what this movie was about. But now we get to talk about... Oh, God. So corny. Uh, you know, uh, she was great in Alien Resurrection. How many people can you say that about? <laughs> okay. Um, and the more I watch it, the more I'm just, like, awed by the. We needed somebody who, A, had... Not cachet. didn't have to be horror movie cachet. Just somebody that had a had strength to them that you were, like... You believe them, right? Because you cause, can't go. Oh, maybe she's lying. You just can't. You can't. At this point, that's a, the movie falls apart. Yeah, a wrinkle too far. You must know that the decision they're making is the decision. And 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 she brings everything else with her in terms of the genre. Yes, um, she has genre cred as well as, you know, real acting cred. There's, you know, we talked about so many people, and there's nobody else who should be coming up those stairs. No. And, and then, and then, just to what's nice is, especially for a first-time director, where you know, look, I'll be lying if I said I wasn't intimidated. I was totally intimidated oh, yeah. to have Sigourney Weaver show up on set. And first question out of her mouth uh, is, "Hey, Drew, what time does the werewolf get here?" <laughs> and she was just so excited to work with a werewolf. And I, I, I was like, "Wait a minute, she's done the things. A person that has done the things that she has done." is still excited about the fun of movie making. Like, mm-hmm. is still excited to, to have a scene with a werewolf. And it was just, it, there's something that's so inspiring about that because you, you do get you get burned out. Well, and you know, everybody you at this point was, was, you was know, pretty as, tattered. Just about as burned as you could be. Yeah. You know, it was it was a hard movie to shoot. I mean, there's the amount of tonnage. That's right. Um, and, uh, um, and she came in and she was so bubbly and so girly. And so, ah, you know, I've never... I've seen a werewolf. This is like, this this just, encapsulates, by the way, Sigourney Weaver to a T in terms of she she looks to me at lunchtime. We break for lunch and she goes, "We should make sure the werewolf has someone to sit with at lunch." And when I hear that, <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, okay, like that is why you know." I oh, could, sorry, actual favorite shot in the movie. Yeah, yeah, that. I mean, uh, I my heart skips a beat every single time I see her when she points the gun. Point the gun at Marty. Yeah, I know. And out of focus. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. I love how this movie looked. I remember we, we had our premieres back to back. I sat through this movie and went, I didn't go, oh, this, you know, I, I remember why I fell in love with movies, which actually I think some horror movies, which somebody said. I was like, no, I'm having the experience of being a teenager and falling in love with horror movies. And then I sat through the Avengers. So I was like, yeah, it's not bad. You know, good effort. I like, I, this just feels so classical. I felt that way about yours. So it, I guess that's how it, how it works. There's the blood. There it is. But, um, you know, it's a werewolf. And I love his first reaction is shoot the werewolf. I know. I mean, that's it's Again. so important. It's just, it's yeah. why Marty's character is the soul of this movie. Is that he doesn't he doesn't care about the bigger picture. He cares about saving his friend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there's a level on which we you know you have to operate both ways. Yeah. That's the thing. I don't. Yeah, I don't disagree with saving the world. But what he's saying is, if at some point, in order to maintain order, we have to become so cruel. Which to me is the difference between youth and adulthood. It really is like 
that is that is the line is that as you get older you start to understand why we do these things but that doesn't make it right you mm-hmm. just understanding doesn't does not mean it it's why you should do these things that's interesting i i think there's a level of maturity to seeing the smaller picture she yeah. was also very excited about getting an axe in her head <laughs> when, um when, do, when does the axe come drew <laughs> But, uh, you know, I, I don't think the demarcation is actually that um, simple. Yeah, I think that there's, there's also a level at which you um, understand the meaning of the microcosm of your own personal relationships as being the actual world. Right. It's like you can say, oh, all of these it, things are happening, matters. but what you're doing, who you're helping, who you're hurting, that's, that's what's actually going on right. as much as, you know, um, your opinion about what, you know, what needs to happen on a greater scale. And, uh, now, so. I feel like I can say this because I did not write this, but um, this is, and I, I realize that, look, it, it's sort of obnoxious to say this about a movie that I have a directing credit on, but I, I do feel like this is my favorite piece of writing that I've ever seen. And <laughs> I do, it is. It's my favorite piece, and it's because you wrote this. Like, oh, you wrote, nice. you cranked this scene out, and it's everything that I've ever held dear i suppose like everything that i live for is is encapsulated in in this scene and i remember reading it and just just knowing like oh this is the movie i'm I'm sorry i let you get attacked by a werewolf and then ended the world like i can't say it better and and you did it and it's why i it's why i revere your writing i have to say thank first of all thank you god there are two things for this in me. One is that it's basically you always were an asshole Gorman just sort of like exploded yeah. into a longer period. But the idea of the heroine and the funny guy dying together as best friends is actually something that's been in sort of the back of my head since I was, a, since I was the funny guy, since yeah. I was a teenager. And, you know, it's that thing of, you know, he's not the love interest. What they have is something that's more beautiful. That's, you know, it's it's this friendship bond that and and this camaraderie in the trenches and this fatalism and this, you know, that understanding that there's so much there that is resonant for me um, that I, again, didn't think about till right now. Um, But we I knew instinctively. I remember thinking when we saw their audition, we had them audition this scene and we have it on videotape and we could have put that on screen. I remember thinking if nothing else in this movie works, we have this last scene. As long as we have this last scene, this movie works. Because I just knew, I knew that this is what this movie is about, is the the two of them on these steps. And uh, deciding that people are more important than humanity. That's right. And Fran's dedication to lighting that with one figuring hand. out how to light the match with one hand it's awesome yeah i remember shooting this um, we were so over schedule and so over time and everyone's like get, we get, we can't keep shooting this and i uh, i remember walking it was like four in the morning and i i go cut and i knew we had it i knew we had the performance but i still went up to the two of them and i said all right everyone wants us to quit but let's do it again just because i love watching this <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's about to get mad at me, but let's do it anyway. And they did, and they love, and and those were that, those were the performances we used uh-huh. because they once they have that freedom to just be like, let's just do this. It, yeah, it, it, it works. By the way, we were so over was like the subtitle did, of the movie. <laughs> yeah, but it was like by a day. Did we go over? I mean, yeah, that's we right. Like no, a couple of days. I mean, it wasn't. I think it was two. We were two days over. We're not talking about Heaven's Gate. Correct. I mean, but boy, they make you I feel like I always it's wanted Gate. you to go faster. 
and you always wanted things to slow down a little. And between us, we sort of... Two days over is not the end of the world, and the truth is, had I known what I know now, I would have known this would take two days longer. Yeah. It's what happens. You yeah, just, no, part of it is just experience. And oh, believe me. I'd believe, yeah, and the other thing is you go in thinking, okay, I've got it now. And then, you know, every time is your first time. That's right. Go, oh, I didn't learn that because that didn't happen. Really? That feeling doesn't go away? I'm sorry. Oh, God. Speaking, <laughs> Joss, why speaking does anyone do this job? The broad compendium of my <laughs> multifaceted experiences of having directed not one but two films. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you you make a, an entirely new set of mistakes, and then, of course, but we know this as writers. I know. Every time, I, somewhere along the line, you go, oh, wait a minute, should it should it matter? Should, maybe I should put the, the hero in peril at some point. Like, you just forget. You it's forget. Like you're, like you're born and anew. every time you think you're going to figure it out again, and you don't. Yeah. And this is our 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 tribute to not figuring it out. <laughs> Harold and Sisyphus. I don't, I don't, we're saying. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Sisyphus, um, uh, I think more writers relate to him than... Oh my god! Anybody. Oh my god! This is the most pretentious commentary we've ever done. It really and is. Some, oh my god! self pretentious and and pretentious. Yeah. Um, Kids, drugs um, save the world. That's yeah, really that's, what that's we're important. I mean, and you know what? Leave school. The, leave for leave school. It's for nerds. Dude, school's for nerds. No, you see, actually, this is how we thin the herd, and then the people who stay, they do great. We do drugs with them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. In school. Uh, kids, call us up if you've got drugs. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Let's cut to the chase. Maybe we should just put that on. It's so hard to find drugs these days as I get older. I used to hang out with people that know drugs. Now I don't know where. Kids, if you know where to get drugs, please call me. You need a weed card. I'll explain what it is later. It's very, it's very important. Um, you know, the last thing we have to say it because we haven't really said it. Um, all hail Lionsgate. All has to be said. Oh my um, God. We've, this we've movie, complained about studios, and this yet movie the studio sat on the shelf through no fault of the of the studio that made it. It got you know it got um, uh, caught up in a big bankruptcy. But when it came time to uh, to bring the movie to life, uh, they swept in and not they didn't just buy the movie and put it out. They loved the movie the way we loved it when we were writing it. They loved it the way. Um, you know the the most. The they made us believe in it again because yeah, we've been like, so battered about it. Are you sure it. it's that good? Yeah, they really. It it was what we needed. We needed, we needed vision and we needed an enthusiasm because we went through a hard time. You know, with yeah. this movie, uh, protecting this movie, and and they sort of came in and and said no. You, we yeah. believe. Yeah. No, it's it, it's an extraordinary experience, and I didn't have as hard a time as you. Partially because I was busy failing at something else, but um, uh, partially because I was just like, no, it's going to happen. Yeah, I, be, in uh, fairness, I mean, you did believe, and I believe too. But I also, we knew, and then but I was, at a certain point, you're just like... I sort of went on, but I have that belief, and then I emotionally, I just shut down. Yeah. It's like, well, I did that. You know, I've, made, I've written so many scripts that didn't get made You were made on the chopper out of badly. Vietnam where I'm still standing on the ground yeah. with my exactly. arms in the air. Exactly. Where we... Not the arms Our in the experience is exactly shot, like Vietnam. Not being that's shot what, in the back. Yeah, yeah, no, that's what I'm talking about. You, you're the Defoe? Correct. Nice. I got fragged. Nice. Uh, what I'm saying is, with respect to our troops... Can I be... Wait, do I get to be Behringer? Yeah. I kind of killed you're, you. But you're Behringer in, Mar in Major League? Oh! Am, am I confusing our way. metaphor? Didn't go my way. This commentary that's has fair. gone so that's off. Fair. Again, I, uh, I feel like we've gotten off the topic. Kids, <laughs> please help me find drugs. Please. <laughs> If, really if you take nothing else from this commentary, 
just know it's hard for me to find drugs in my old age. He's at drewgoddard.edu.drugs.com. I'll find you. You just let me know. I'll, I'll figure it out. Are you on Twitter? I can find. <laughs> I can figure it out. Just let me know. You and I will know. Um, what else is there to say? How can we make ourselves more unlikable? Uh, we were starting so low to begin with. Ethnic slurs? Oh, I got a lot of those. Oh, is the movie out? No. God. Oh, well. Oh, well. Next time. (sighs) Kevin, too. Stay in touch. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Goodbye. Forever.